Well, amen, friends. It's a uh, joy to be here with you this morning on uh, this Lord's Day, on this, uh, on this Father's Day, which is, um, you know, it's kind of a holiday we forget. A lot speaking as a dad. Yeah. But uh, we do know that uh, even as we, as we talk about Mother's Day, that there are those who uh, are longing to be dads but aren't. Uh, those are, there are those who have had uh, really bad dads. There are those who have had really great dads. There are those who uh, have dads who aren't with us anymore. And so uh, we know that this day, even though it's a day that we celebrate, it is a day that can bring some sadness and some, uh, some longing for um, for many of us. And so we, uh, we realize that, we acknowledge that, and we want you to uh, not run away from that sadness, but to kind of lean into it and see what the Lord has for us. Uh, and so we're thankful again that you're here with us. I'm Daryl, I'm the assistant pastor. Our uh, lead pastor, Elliot, is uh, on his way back from a conference. He went uh, by himself with his four kids, which is hilarious that he did that. Um, but he flew to Denver and then his flight got canceled. So that's why he's not here. Um, and so if you think about him, Venmo him maybe, some money. I think he's probably struggling. Um, so if you can send him some cash, he'd probably like that. Uh, hotel rooms aren't cheap. So, um, But he will be here with us uh, again next week. But uh, we are walking through the Apostles' Creed, as Matt Ackerman mentioned earlier to us, uh, that we uh, have looked at this ancient document that we just recited, uh, an ancient creed that gets recited a lot, um, but doesn't get, get, doesn't get taught a lot. And so um, what are we actually saying when we say that we believe these things? Uh, and so that's where we are this morning, uh, where we come to uh, the, the first major clause in there, uh, that I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. So what do we mean when we say that? What, is it, uh, what does it say about us? What does it say about God? What does Jesus have to say about this? Uh, because we know that if we uh, want to know who God the Father is, uh, given that we have uh, the scriptures, we can look at what Jesus says and who Jesus uh, says that he is to draw from that. Uh, so that's what we'll do this morning, uh, looking at the clause, God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. But as I said last week, uh, we don't preach the creed because the creed doesn't have any authority, uh, but scripture does. Uh, so we're always going to preach scripture uh, and look at scripture through the lens of the Apostles' Creed. So we'll be in Luke chapter 15 this morning. Luke 15, 11 through 29. If you have a copy of the scriptures on your phone or uh, in print, or it'll also be on the screens. Uh, it's the story of the prodigal son, the parable of two lost sons, it's been called. Um, it's a parable that if you've spent any time around church, you've probably heard a ton. Uh, and so there will be a temptation to sort of um, kind of blow through it. And so it asked this morning that the Lord would bring fresh ears and fresh eyes to, uh, to his word. So let's give our attention to the reading of God's word from Luke 15, 11 through 29 this morning. This is the word of the Lord. And Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me my share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him in the field to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. 
And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of his servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. But his father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came who has devoured your, pro- who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this, your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Let's pray together. Father God, um, Jesus, the son, Holy Spirit, we come uh, to you this morning praying for your mercy and your kindness, uh, praying that uh, a story even as familiar as this is to some of us uh, can still be uh, profound uh, and deeply uh, impactful and deeply moving as we see how lost sons are brought from darkness to light, as we see how uh, sin and sadness uh, and self-righteousness uh, can get in the way of seeing uh, the Father all together. And so God, as we uh, have a discussion about Uh, how you father us. Uh, Would you be uh, gentle and kind with us? Would you be uh, gracious and compassionate to us as we sift through uh, so much noise um, in our hearts and in our minds, uh, but that we could see you uh, more clearly and that you would fill our lungs with air, fill our lungs with praise, uh, give us energy as we leave here uh, and rejoice at the great things which you have done. It's in your son's name I do pray, amen. And so we have come to, as I said, the portion of the Apostles' Creed where we uh, look at God the Father Almighty. And uh, the best place to go when we think of what God's fatherhood is like is to uh, a story that Jesus told uh, to give us an example of what that's like. Um, And Jesus shows us that one of the defining characteristics of God the Father Almighty is that he gives lavish grace to his children that he gives lavish grace uh, to those who don't deserve it. And because the father gives lavish grace to his children, we can trust the father heart of God is with us. We can trust the father heart of God is for us uh, as we are adopted uh, into a new family. So three things we'll see from this passage. We'll see that the father sees, we'll see that the father celebrates, and lastly, that the father saves. So let's look together at Luke's telling of this parable of the lost son, uh, beginning with the father sees. Now, this parable comes to us uh, in a trio of parables. Uh, it's the third in a set of three parables that uh, Jesus is, is wanting us to know because as this passage begins, we're told that there are tax collectors and there are sinners and there are Pharisees and they're in the same spot. Uh, uh, chapter 15 starts out by saying, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to Jesus And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled saying, this man receives sinners 
and eats with them. So this is the setting, this is the scene, this is the environment in which Jesus then, as he sees the tax collectors and the sinners and the Pharisees together, he launches into three stories uh, about how God the Father, about how God searches for lost things. The first is uh, the parable of the lost coin, or sorry, the parable of the lost sheep. Then we have the parable of the lost coin. Uh, and then lastly, the parable of the prodigal son. And so uh, the Pharisees are there. There are tax collectors and there are sinners there. They're all in the same spot. They're all wondering what Jesus is gonna say. They're all wondering what Jesus is gonna do. And what he does is that he launches into a story and begins it by saying, a man had two sons. So there's a man, he's got two kids, and the younger one uh, comes to dear old dad and he tells him uh, what would be the modern day equivalent of saying uh, to your own dad that I wish you were dead. Uh, he asks his dad for his inheritance. He wants it now. Uh, he wants what's supposed to come to him when his dad dies. He wants it now so he can go uh, and spend it. There's no real backstory as to why. All that we know is that the man does it. Uh, the dad gives the son his portion of what would have been his, and the kid goes off, and he goes crazy. Uh, our tendency is to think like he goes to Vegas, he goes down to Aldine's, he goes nuts. But what we know is that it's even, it even goes further than that. Because uh, what Jesus says is this guy goes to a far off country and spends all his money. Which meant this guy would have gone off to a far off country and he would have been in some shady stuff. Um, prostitutes, gambling, uh, whatever you can think of. He would have committed sins that would have made a sailor blush. This guy lives like crazy. He doesn't just go on a bender. He would have done some unspeakable, wild stuff. And the Pharisees are there, right? There's two people. There's the Pharisees, there's tax collectors and sinners. In the same spot, the Pharisees would have been licking their chops as Jesus told this story. Because Jesus says, a famine came into the land and then this guy lost all his money. Pharisees would have loved this. Oh, good, he gets what he deserves. Maybe if he had majored in something that would have made him some money, he wouldn't be in this spot. Maybe if he would just uh, had, a, had a good financial planner, he wouldn't be in this spot. Maybe if he had a little common sense. He would, maybe if he was a little more uh, respectful of his dad. He didn't work for any of it. He just wanted a handout. The Pharisees would have loved this good. They would have thought he got what's coming to him. He didn't work for any of it. Look at that entitled little brat and he gets what he deserves. This is what they would have thought as Jesus continued the story saying that that man was starving because a famine came in. Good, the Pharisees would have thought. That's God's judgment. That's God's judgment on him for disobeying his dad. And so Jesus is telling the story, the Pharisees would have loved it. He even goes even further to say he didn't have any money so he had to go hire himself out to a pig farmer just to, be, just to have a job of feeding pigs. And pigs would have been the lowest of the low to the Jewish mind, to the Jewish ears. This would have meant, man, pigs are gross. This, guy, this guy's in a bad way. Think of yourself and the job that you don't wanna do, the job you would never even consider doing that you're far too good to do. This is what this guy was doing. He was doing this job and Jesus is telling this story and this man is broke, he's hungry, he's embarrassed, he's reckless and he's wasteful. 
There's Pharisees and there's tax collectors and sinners. The Pharisees would have loved this. They would have loved this because they would be looking at the tax collectors and the sinners sitting across the aisle and saying, this is what you're gonna get. Coming in here, bozos, acting all crazy, hillbillies, that's what you're gonna get. And then Jesus tells us that this man comes to his senses. Let's ask ourselves, where does our heart go when we hear about this guy? We probably know how the story ends. But think for a second, is your heart moved to compassion or is your heart moved to condemnation? Jesus comes and says, this man comes to his senses. He comes to realize that, that dear old dad has hired men who live far better than this. And that if he can just get home, if he can just tell his dad how sorry he is, and he can ask his dad for a job, then at least he'll be able to eat. At least I can have some food. At least, like, they, my, my dad can give me a job. I can make some minimum wage. I can live downtown. I can share an apartment over in Sylvan Park. Like, I can do something, and then I can just have a job, and then I can eat. I don't even want to go to the main house. This guy is insane. He's asking to be a son again. He's not asking to move back in with his parents. He's willing to commute. He's willing to live with all the other ne'er-do-wells in the bunkhouse, like on Yellowstone. I'll just do anything I can just to get home so I can get a job, so I can get some food. What this guy knew is that the only thing that's gonna get him out of this mess is his dad. Because he's blown it all. He doesn't have any friends. He's forsaken everything he's known. He's gone and he's spent it all. The only thing that can get him out of this is his dad. The government's not gonna get him out of it. His own willpower is not gonna get him out of it. A Joe Rogan podcast isn't gonna get him out of it. He is only going to make it in this world if his dad has compassion on him. So he starts this long, lonely walk back to his dad's house. Imagine the shame. Imagine the shame this guy is feeling. Imagine the embarrassment as he rehearses this speech. I sinned against heaven and against you, dad. Can I just come home? Make me like one of your hired men. I sinned against heaven. I sinned against you. Just make me a hired man. Rehearsing the speech over and over, every step, every mile that he walks. And the Pharisees would have loved this. Oh boy, he's gonna go home and his dad's gonna tan his hide. He's gonna go home, he's gonna paint his back porch red. His dad is going to whip him. His dad's gonna smack him with a sandal. The Pharisees would have loved this. And Jesus says the dad sees him. And the Pharisees and tax collectors are there. The Pharisees, here it comes. Here it comes, the dad's about to lower the boom. His dad sees him and he runs to him. The Pharisees have been like, no, 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 no. That's not how this story goes. Jewish men don't run. Dads don't run. He spent all his money. Have you seen how goofy adult males look when they run anyway? Jesus, Jewish men don't do this. Jesus says that the father sees him when he's a long way off and he runs to him, which implies one massive truth of the universe that God looks for lost stuff. God is looking for lost things, the father heart of God. God the Father Almighty is always on the lookout for those in his family who are lost. Pharisees would have hated that. Remember what Romans tells us, no one seeks God, no, not one. Romans doesn't say anywhere that God's not seeking us. The story tells us as much. Jesus is saying, you wanna know what the father is like? He's like a dad who's sitting there and he's looking for his son. He's not looking at his watch He's looking at the horizon. 
And when he sees his son coming, he runs to him and his kid can't even get his terrible speech out of his ungrateful mouth before the dad puts into motion the greatest party probably ever thrown. Greater than any party this kid has ever seen. Remember, there's two groups of people here. There's the Pharisees and there's the tax collectors and there's the sinners. And Jesus has just said that the father in this story sees those who are lost. And he's looking for those who have run away. Do you believe that? Do we really believe that? I'm not sure I do. Do we really believe that Jesus is looking for those who have run away, for those who have blown it? Do you really believe, do you believe that you've even blown it this, this much? Like, yeah, this guy, I mean, he did some stuff, but I, you know, I didn't do that. That God is looking for those who are lost. Think about the tax collectors and the sinners who are hearing this story alongside these Bible-thumping Pharisees. How do you think they felt? Dan Allender tells us that we often seek to minimize our depravity by comparing our stories and our suffering with other people's stories and their suffering. And that way we can sort of say either we're not as bad or I didn't have it as bad as that guy had it. But what we're supposed to do in these stories is not compare our sufferings with one another. We're to compare our sufferings with the Garden of Eden and to see that suffering isn't normal. That suffering hurts regardless of the degree but that suffering is there. And what if God is saying, I see it. I see how you've messed up. I know what you did with all the stuff I gave you. I know what you did with the gifts that I gave you. And I'm moving toward you, not moving away from you. Pharisees would have hated this. Remember the story of Hagar in the Old Testament, the book of Genesis. Hagar was a sex trafficked Egyptian teenage girl who lived with Abraham and Sarah. Uh, who are two stalwarts of, of, the, of the Bible, and this terrible story of uh, Sarah, who was unable to conceive, then sends Hagar in to sleep with Abraham so he can have a kid. Um, sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse. Uh, Hagar can't handle it. She gets pregnant. Uh, she runs away. She runs out to the desert where it's super dangerous. Uh, and then an angel of the Lord comes to her and says, Hagar, where are you coming from? And where are you going? Where are you coming from and where are you going? And Hagar responds by saying, you are a God who sees. I'm gonna call you El Roi because you're a God who sees. Hagar is the first person in scripture to give God a name and she's not even Jewish. And the answer or the questions coming from heaven, where are you coming from and where are you going are the same question for us this morning. Where are you coming from? Are you coming back from your own far country excursion where you've blown it? Where there's a road littered with bad decisions, where there's a road littered with broken promises? Are you heading out on your own far country excursion where you have told everyone you love to leave you alone and to just let you go? And you're gonna go do some terrible stuff wherever you are on that journey this morning, there is a God who is looking for you. There is a God who is looking for you. Would we believe, would we so believe that his grace is that lavish, that he sees us when we're coming home, that he sees us when we're running away, that he not only sees us, but that he celebrates us? This brings us to our second point, the God who celebrates. 
as his son is coming home. Remember, he hasn't even really gotten the speech out of his mouth yet, and his dad sets into motion a celebration far beyond making him a hired man. It wouldn't have been enough for this dad to make his son just one of his workers. That's not gonna do. There are no street sweepers in God's economy. There's nobody who gets to heaven by the skin of their teeth, right? This is what this man is saying. There's no street sweepers in God's economy. There are no folks who got there by sheer willpower. And Jesus is saying here, the father heart of God celebrates when lost kids come home. He doesn't demand restitution. He's not saying, let me think about it. Repentance is attending a party that is thrown in your honor. And that's what this kid is doing. He's attending a party who is thrown in his honor. He knows that he screwed up. He knows he doesn't need a whole community to remind him of what he's done. He's got a shame for that. He's got the devil for that. He knows what he did. He knows that the last thing in the world that he deserves is a fat calf killed for him and a new pair of shoes. Imagine being this kid. Some of you might not have to. Imagine being this kid, how would you respond? Would you keep apologizing? I'm so sorry, dad, I'm so sorry. I don't want any of those hors d'oeuvres, I'm so sorry. Don't give me that punch, I'm so sorry. Would you take small sips of the punch? Would you nibble around the little cocktail weenies? That's what shame wants you to do. That's what familiarity wants you to do. That's what addiction wants you to do, to stay on the periphery, to not get in there too close. Shame would come to us, the devil would come to us and say, how dare you? How dare you come to a party like this? Remember how you blew all your dad's cash? You're still broke. This kid, doesn't, he still doesn't have any money. You're still broke, but that's not how the father speaks to him because this guy is a good dad. It's not how the father speaks to him. This dad isn't your dad. I don't care how good your dad was. Actually, I do care if your dad was good. It doesn't matter how good your dad was. Look what he says, and remember who Jesus is speaking to here. There's saints and sinners, there's Pharisees and tax collectors. In verse 24, the father says, this son of mine was dead, and now he's alive. He's lost, and now he's found. I thought he was dead. He should be dead. You who were once dead in your sins and trespasses have been made alive through Christ, Scripture tells us. And instead of celebrating that, instead of sitting in the truth of that, instead of living in that, we say, well, when can I come to the next Bible study? What can I do to prove that I'm like worthy of this? What's my next move? And Jesus is saying here is to stay and to be celebrated as uncomfortable as that's gonna make you. Because I got to get it together, right? Like I've been washed, now I got to get starched and I got to get ironed. Jesus is saying in this story that that's, that's not how it works. What we see in this story is that a son who was lost and far off and has done unspeakable things is having a party thrown for him because he's back home. That there is celebrating on earth as it is in heaven. That in heaven at every moment, there's a massive celebration going on, but earth tends to look far from that. The church tends to look far from that. What if, what if, what if heaven looks a lot more 
like CMA Fest than it does your small group. Would we believe in that heaven? What Jesus is saying to the Pharisees who are there, the tax collectors who are there, he's saying this, if you don't like rowdy folks, Pharisees, who look differently than you, you're gonna hate heaven. If you don't like folks who vote differently than you, you're gonna hate heaven. If you don't like folks who have a different skin color than you, you're gonna hate heaven. You won't like the 40 acres of celebration that God has set aside for all of eternity. If you think for a second that you get to heaven by your merit and not on the grace of a dad who puts your indiscretions as far as the east is from the west, then you're gonna hate heaven. If you think you can get it, Pharisees, by doing everything right, you're gonna hate it. The dad sees, the dad celebrates. And lastly, we see that the dad says, let's look at verse 25. Remember again that Jesus is talking to saints and sinners. He's talking to Pharisees and tax collectors and sinners. But there's another son that we haven't heard about yet. A boy, and boy, when he shows up, y'all, this kid is madder than a hornet. He's Furious, He comes in from the field, look at verse 25, 26. He comes in from the field and he hears the dancing and the singing. He hears the banjos, he hears the guitars, he hears the drums, he hears all the, all the clamor that's happening at this party and he goes to his servant and he asks his servant, what's going on? What's all this commotion? What's all this racket happening here? And the servant comes to him and says, oh, you haven't heard. You haven't heard that your brother's back the son who ran away and your dad's killed the fatted calf for him and he's throwing him a party and he gets furious. This guy's mad. Remember in the crowd, there's Pharisees and there's tax collectors and sinners. Remember what started this whole thing that they looked at Jesus and said, he's a friend of sinners and eats with them. And then the older son tells his dad, as his dad comes and asks his son to come in to the party, to come into the celebration. And he tells his dad, you never even gave me a goat to party with my friends. I'm reading this story, I'm like, your dad's this rich and you're wanting a goat? Like, you're swinging pretty low, bro. Like, what are goats, 50 cents? Like, ask for something better. Dad, where's my party? Where's my, where's my charcuterie board, dad? Where's my seltzers, dad? Why does he get a party and I don't? I've never done anything wrong. That's what this nerd says. I've never done anything wrong is one of the most dangerous statements you can ever make. Dad, I've never disobeyed you. I've done everything right. I put my clothes in the hamper. I get the trash can to the street on time. I bring it back on time. I don't speed. I don't run yellow lights. I've never done anything wrong, Dad, and you're throwing this brother of mine, this son of yours, a party, and I don't get anything. Where's my party? Look what he says. This son of yours, he doesn't even claim his own brother. The son of yours shows his dirty face around here, and you throw him a party. You don't know what you're doing, Dad. You don't know what you're doing, God. What are you doing? How dare you? How dare you let them in? How dare you let them in? They laughed when Joe Biden fell off his bike. How dare you let them in? How dare you? God, this dude who sleeps with hookers and he eats 
hog food. He dared to show his face around here and you just let him in. And this dad's not like our dad. This dad responds, I did. I did let him in and I'll do it again. I killed the fat calf that I raised. That's my money throwing that party. The dad is saying, I did. I let him in because this son of mine who was lost is now found. He was dead and now he's alive because he's my son just like you are and everything I have is yours. You want a goat party? I'll give you a hundred goat parties. All you had to do is ask. Don't you understand that I love you too? Remember, there's Pharisees, there's tax collectors and sinners. Even in all your perfection, kid, I still love you. Even in all your misaligned motives, you're mad at your brother who showed up here because he spent all his money and he told me he wanted me to be dead and then he goes and wastes it all and now he's back and I'm throwing him a party and you're calling him a brat? I think you're being a little bratty yourself here, dude. How could you let him in? Where's my party? You're being just as selfish as your brother was being. You don't love me anymore and your brother loves me. When you can look at God and say, I want you for what you can give me and not for who you are. That's what these sons are doing. Your brother has hit rock bottom. It can't get any worse for him. I'm not gonna let him die out there. I'm gonna bring him in. I want you to come in and find the grace that will melt your hard heart. Come in and celebrate with me. Come in and find that this party is for all of my children. There's Pharisees and there's tax collectors and there's sinners. And Jesus is telling a story about a God who says, I want all of you to come in. Don't miss me with your rebelliousness and don't miss me with your righteousness. I want you to come in and find the father heart of God is for you. And here's the crazy thing. This story just ends. This verse, verse 32, it was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this brother of yours was dead and is alive. He was lost and he's found. And then Jesus goes on to another story. He doesn't tell us how it ends. Remember Pharisees, tax collectors, sinners. He doesn't tell us if the younger brother, if the older brother rather goes in. We don't know. What we do know is this, that God the Father Almighty fathers almightily. What we do know is this, the invitation was there. What we do know is this, that there is a free offer of the gospel for anyone who would hear and respond. And by authoring this plan of salvation and having Jesus execute this plan of salvation and having the Holy Spirit apply that plan of salvation to our hearts, we know that God the Father is a God who calls his children home. That when God the Father saves his children, he saves them. He adopts them. He brings them into his family. He doesn't make them hired men. God the Father doesn't tap his shoes. God the Father doesn't check his watch. He doesn't wait for our cleverly crafted repentance speech before he moves toward us. He moves toward you every moment of every day. He moved toward you this morning when the sun rose. He'll move toward you tonight when the sun sets unless Jesus comes back. This is, what Jesus, this is what God does. He is always moving toward us. And God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, made heaven and earth for us to enjoy. Is, this, is, is there room in your system of beliefs for a God who loves like this? 
Is there room in your spiritual DNA for a God who loves like this? And if a God who loves like this doesn't make you a little uncomfortable, it might not be God that you love. Is there room for a God who can love us like this, who says, I will welcome the Pharisees if they'll come home. I'll welcome the tax collectors and the sinners if they'll come home. That I'm the God who welcomes them. He loves both his kids the same way. Those who are connected to Jesus Christ, who purchase for redemption for pagans and for Presbyterians alike, that that God is a God who says, come to me, come to me. Don't worry about rehearsing your speech. Don't worry about getting it right. Don't worry about cleaning yourself up. Don't worry about cleaning yourself up when you come to me. Don't be so concerned with cleaning yourself up after you come to me. Just come to me. Come in and find the the grace and the redemption of a celebration that is for you. How would that change your heart toward God? How would that change your heart toward your neighbor, toward your spouse, toward your own kids? If we can look and see that there is a God who loves us this way, who's capable of, of loving in such a way that it would melt our hard hearts. In all that we've done wrong and in all that we think we've done right, God is still standing there and saying, come to me. Come to me. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. Let's pray together. Father God, we're undone by this that you would uh, love, uh, love us in such a way. God, I'll pray in I statements, I'm undone by this, uh, that you would love me in such a way uh, that you would call sinners home, that you would call your children back to you, uh, that as we come to our senses, as we in our conviction by the Holy Spirit come to our senses and say, does not our God have everything? There's nothing in this world compared to what we find in the arms of Jesus. Jesus, would you give us the mercy and the grace uh, to come back to you? Jesus, don't let another minute pass. Holy Spirit, don't let another second pass uh, that lost children don't come to you. Jesus, pour your spirit on us, pour your grace on us, pour your mercy on us uh, that we wouldn't leave here without doing business with you. Whether we've known you for 10 minutes or 10 years, Jesus, uh, call us to yourself and we will leave here rejoicing because of the great things that you've done. And it's in your name we do pray, amen.